We are talking Arsenal's rock-solid back line and Marcus Rashford's big plans. It's a brand new episode of the Football Ramble. It's Wednesday the 2nd of September. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Andy Brassel. Yes, I'm not sure I've seen you, Jim, since you became a Community Shield colossus. So I just wanted to take this chance to say... Well done. Thank you. I like that you bring up when Arsenal win things. It's like I'm talking directly to your inferiority complex rather than you. <laughs> it's really nice. So oh, thanks. Anytime, mate. <laughs> I suppose I'm just trying to get some credit in the bank for when Tottenham win the Premier League, but you know. Yeah. Or, or when you humble us in some really embarrassing way like you already have once in you know during your tenure on the show so yeah Tottenham it's going to run and run this isn't it <laughs> and so. it's going to be really deeply unsatisfying for both of us so <laughs> great Tottenham have already won television so I, I think that's the main point how yeah. so sorry uh, with, with, the do- with, with the documentary right oh of course of course oh yes. I thought you were talking about the Doherty video Doherty video Doherty as someone yeah. t- I don't know is that not me putting on an accent I can't do that anyway um, did you see you must have seen the video with deleting yes. the yeah yeah, deleting the Arsenal tweets. Mm. I think they owned that. Oh, yeah, yeah you I talked about it. Sorry, mate. I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> You've used all your material. Let's move on. <laughs> Arsenal have made a signing. Yes. Gabriel Magales. Yeah, Gabriel, isn't it? Or Gabriel, rather, as in dreams can come true. Yes, um, exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I, I was a bit worried about this one because it's one of those ones where, like, it's been it's spoken about for ages and then you wonder, is this going to sort of drop off the radar? Have they forgotten about each other? Um, but I think it might have been partially to do with him having to quarantine. Um, mm. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of buzz around him, but I've been hurt by a Brazilian Gabriel before, <laughs> thinking that he would be the answer to all of our defensive problems, which are just kind of inherent, aren't they? Or so it would seem. Um, but I mean, do you know a great deal about him, Andy? Obviously you're a scholar of French football. Is he someone that you think will bring a lot of uh, um, bring what Arsenal need to their defence. It sounds bloody amazing. Yeah, I think there, there, are, there are two things. I think one major positive and one major negative. The fact that some other, can we say, better placed clubs than Arsenal in, in the current football hierarchy really wanted him. Yeah. Um, which I, I think is the thing. We thought he was going to go to Napoli for a, a very long time. And then you look at the fact that, well... <sighs> I don't know if this is my prejudice against left-footed centre-backs. Hmm. I have no general prejudice against left-footed centre-backs. I do have a prejudice against two left-footed centre-backs in, in either a, a back two or a back mm. three. Yeah. So I wonder why you get him and Pablo Mari. That's my only question. Is there maybe a longer injury to Pablo Mari? You know, how long is he going to be out Pablo for? Pablo Mari is himself quite a long man. Very tall. <laughs> So maybe that's part of it. I think you're only meant to say long about babies. They're long before <laughs> they can. True, yeah. They're long before they can stand up. And once they can stand up, they're tall. It so, depends sorry, if they're I, horizontal I or vertical. Yeah, it makes Clarify. perfect sense. Exactly. Yeah, hopefully, right, hopefully, if, if Pablo Mari's laying down, he's long. Yeah, but this dude. Ho- it's, yeah, but this dude's known as the Brazilian Colossus or Le Colos Brazilian. Well, as you'd probably pronounce it. Yeah, in in Lille. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Also, yeah, if you you know you could be you could be known as the sort of you know. The ice cream colossus, if you're an ice cream man in Brazil, because everyone's got a cool nickname, haven't they? It doesn't really mean anything. I take your point. He says, he says, um, uh, uh, dribbling's not for me. That's what he says. 
Yeah, well, he is a very good passer of the ball, so, so it, it it doesn't need to be. Um, yeah, we don't we don't necessarily need marauding runs from def- the defence with the uh, let's say the the nervousness inherent in our <laughs> crowd. <laughs> well, I could understand exactly why Arteta wants him because not only is he an excellent centre back, and I tend to think you know when people go oh etc etc he's Premier League proven. If someone's been a good defender in Ligue 1, uh, it stands to reason that they're going to transfer pretty well to the Premier League because I think you need a lot of the similar physical attributes. Mm. And that's always the thing. When a defender arrives in in, in the Premier League, they have a couple of crappy games earlier on because it it is faster, it is a bit more anarchic and um, then they get written off you know you think of yeah. Patrice Everett getting written off I don't know he's a fullback but he's, he's still, mm. still a defender yeah his debut was particularly difficult wasn't it if I remember rightly yeah his his agent said after his first 45 minutes <laughs> at, at Manchester United we've made a terrible mistake here. <laughs> according to that interview he did with Donald McRae in, yeah. in, in the Guardian last week but I think as well the, the, this whole Farmers League thing is thrown at League 1 all the time isn't it and I don't know a lot of farmhands but the one I've the ones I have seen tend to be hulking brutes so you would think actually from both tilling the farms and playing professional football, <laughs> it would make you quite physical. So that actually gives me a lot of, of faith in the idea of, of uh, Gabriel. Um, I'm also uh, very pleased that, as, you, as you've alluded to, Andy, he, he did apparently have uh, a lot of suitors that are of a higher status, realistically, than mm. Arsenal. Man United were apparently in for him, and obviously with Champions League football, um, that would appear to be more appealing. But uh, apparently he was offered more money elsewhere as well, but it was Edu and Mikel Arteta that convinced him of the vision, which is is music to my ears, a really, really good thing. And also, um, those of you not uh, watching Arsenal so closely might not be aware of this, but it's really encouraging that Arsenal have signed a player that isn't from the Kia Jarabchian set menu, Mm. because a lot of the signings Arsenal have made are are all from him. And some of the weirder ones as well, like the Cedric Suarez one, with him getting a four-year contract, that's from Jarabchian. And he's been around at the club a lot. And it's it's it was looking like, are we only going to sign his clients? Because that's really going to hamstring us. But that's not the case here. You say Cedric's weird. It might not be so weird if Hector Bellerin goes. Well, quite, yeah. Oh. Oh, should we talk a little bit about sexy like Hector? Yeah, it's like they're selling one Let's. of our mates. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like with, with Bellerin because you know he's you know he's everyone loves him. Even you know he's had a lot of injuries. He's made something like I think it's two hundred five appearances um, since twenty eleven, and a lot of the time he was in the youth setup there. Mm. But it's not much, is it? It's it's not a huge amount. It shows you how how many injuries he's had, given the last how long he's been, been established difficult. as a first team player, uh, haven't they? Yeah, they really have. I but... mean, you know what you said about about you know losing him. To me, this seems like a if if, if Paris Saint Germain are offering twenty five million quid plus some bonuses. To me, that seems very reasonable. And to be perfectly honest, I'm a little bit surprised that a team that thinks they can go out and win the Champions League actually wants Hector Bellerin. It's almost the the personality is bigger than the player now mm. and th- don't get me wrong he's I-, I love his way of connecting with people and contributing to society and expressing himself and being himself but are we really saying he's the player we thought he was going to be three years ago because I- i'm going to say no he's been in good form since he's been back from his injury but that seems to be the issue doesn't it generally that are you ever going to be really but will it last that, exactly that confident that he's going to stay stay fit for a long enough season that he's going to have um a title winning effect on it and i i don't know and i think the talk is that he himself is is actually thinking well maybe yeah i'm 25 now arsenal we're rebuilding do i want to be here for a re- rebuild when i'm probably coming into my peak years maybe not and you know everyone would wish him well if he went but 
my concern with it is it's not just a sort of a fans thing. It's that you you're selling a leader. You know, yes. he's a leader on yeah. the pitch, and that is something that Arsenal have lacked a lot. So I'm a bit a bit nervous about this one. Well, is that not perhaps the benefit that PSG are, for example, looking for? Is that he has this um, seemingly this stabilising effect? And you mm. know, when there was all the business with the captaincy, it, it, it seems well, it was surprising that he didn't. You know, he was one of the several captains, wasn't he, Jim? <laughs> one but, of Emery's five captains. But, <laughs> <laughs> so five, bloody yeah. hell! Um, but yeah, he seemed to be one of the people saying the most sensible things in that whole mm. period and being, as you mentioned, stable. So that's that's got its own value, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think people think of him as someone who's a, a real son of the club as well. Yes. And, and it is always hard to let someone like that go. I mean, he, he speaks more like London than me. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's incredible. Um, so, Rant. But... <laughs> <laughs> I've never been seen dead <laughs> Well, actually, in South East London, I think you'll find that's very common. <laughs> but I, I, I think you've got to separate the player and the personality here. For, for me, he hasn't become the player that he should have become. Is that entirely his fault? No. But if Arsenal are aspiring to get to the next point, and really, if they're going to get a decent fee for him, which, as you were saying to me earlier, Jim, when we were talking about it, is some money they need to reinvest mm-hmm. elsewhere in the team. Mm. It's not the barest part of the squad, is it? No, I mean, especially with Angelie Maitland-Niles clearly mm. staying now. I think that's what uh, that's the plan there. Although Maitland-Niles has said that he sees himself as a winger. So I wonder whether he would accept um, effectively playing as a wing back instead. He might have to, but then players have to do that sometimes, don't they? They have to accept yeah. that you know you've, you've, you this is where you're going to play is at least similar and comparable. So that looks to be the plan, which is it's refreshing that you can see a plan. Um, <laughs> to be fair, at least so that that's quite nice. But um, yeah, I think it, 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 that's the case. Let's talk to Arsenal. Obviously, um, Danny Sabayas looks like he might be coming back on loan, so that's not going to be cheap I would imagine given that he's coming from Real Madrid so wages are going to be a factor there also Andy you and I were talking about earlier one of the things we have to remember with any business done this summer is the amortisation of Nicolas Pepe's contract because that yeah. was I mean Rouse and Leahy it effectively looks like he lost his job over how much that's going to cost Arsenal so they way massively overpaid for him and obviously there's Ozil's contract to think about so even without any players coming in money has to be thought about so there's going to have to be sales from somewhere so I think this one has probably got some legs, legs that may pick up injuries, but um, <laughs> legs all the same. So yeah, there's talk of Thomas Party and um, Hassan Auer as well. And I think that oh, both I love of those him. would. They are great, aren't they? They'd, I'd be. Oh, I meant more, be, but Party too. Yeah, they'd be. I'd be surprised if Arsenal could get both. But if they want one of them, they're going to have to fund it somehow. C- can I say? As a Leon sympathiser, I would be heartbroken if Owa didn't end up at an elite club. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I really Ooh. would. And the point he's making there, Jim, just in case you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not coming to North London. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's skip over and talk about... Well, I find it quite hard, actually, to speak about any members of the Croatia national team because of what they did to England uh, in 2018, but... You're taking his spell roll way too seriously. <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking. Uh, but even Rakitic has left uh, Barcelona to go back to Sevilla. In fact, the, the farewell ceremony that's been announced by Barcelona and, as they put it in the press release, subsequent telematic press conference of the player should be happening right now. So let's hope he's not used that to announce, you know, he's got all the inside track on what's going on with Messi or anything like that, because we'll have to get back in here and re-record. Yeah. But I'm really interested to see how this pans out, because when a, a huge player 
leaves Barcelona. So uh, Xavi or Iniesta, yeah. they have the first two rows in the press conference room. It's the squad, isn't it? Right. In, in all their club suits or their, yeah. their, oh, their, their trackies. I, they should all turn up for Rakitic because I think this is where you get a big split between in-stadium fans and on-Twitter fans because he is someone who has attracted so much ire from Barcelona fans on Twitter over, over the years and on, mm. on social media mm-hmm. over the years, Rakitic. He has largely been brilliant for them. Mm. He was a key player in the 2014-15 team, which was the last team that won the Champions League for them, the last team that looked like winning the Champions League yeah. for them, and not just because of that opening goal. But there's always been this sort of weirdness between a certain amount of a certain um, demographic of Barcelona fans and Rakitic because he's very much from outside the magic circle. Mm. And, you know, he's, I think a lot of them have seen him as a threat to the Barcelona philosophy of how a lot of Barcelona fans feel they should play football in that way. He's like a typical Luis Enrique signing because, Luis Enrique could not give a shit about that. He's someone who wanted to change them and make them a little little bit more practical, a little bit more direct, and he really did that. And Rakitic is a player who is not just someone who's been really good for for Barcelona and really good for for Croatia. I think you look at his mixed upbringing, the fact that um, he comes from a Croatian family, but he grew up in Switzerland, then went to Germany pretty young. And he had this sort of finishing school at Sevilla where by that point he could play everywhere mm. in midfield. So he did number 10 for Sevilla. He played this sort of quarterback role for Schalke. He played on both wings as well. He could do the lot. And that's what Enrique saw and thought, yeah, this is a guy who can, who can help me map the game. Uh, and and that's, that's exactly what he did. He just did it in a way that was a bit more, Swiss German than a lot, a lot of Barcelona fans would have, would have liked, and, and I think post Pep Guardiola, you do have a lot of these. You know, you talk about West Ham and the, um, the West Ham way, the, the West Ham way. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Barcelona is that times mm. ten, or a certain a certain amount of Barcelona fans, or a certain uh, mindset of Barcelona fans are like that. But you've got to accept other points of view otherwise you can't progress. Can What's you? really interesting, just in the context of what you know, of course, Messi and. Barcelona and all of the chaos that's going on there at the moment is that it looks as though, according to Gold Rakitic, is going to be earning £2.7 million a season. Okay, decent wedge. Mm. Um, but it is a significant drop from the £7 million he he was being paid by Barcelona per season. Now, you know, the question around Barcelona is, are, are, people, are people running away from this club at this well. point? And what does it mean in that context of, of Messi? Really? Well, maybe. But I think, you know, even Rakitic is... Um his wife's from Seville, isn't she? Yeah. I don't um, think anyone's ever mentioned that before. Yeah. <laughs> Get in the commentary. But but um, I mean, maybe maybe that's why the pay cut's okay because he can yeah. just like live at live at a folks place. And he jumped in a. <laughs> he was so happy about the Europa League win. He jumped in a swimming pool on telly. So he's obviously pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, on it. he's returning to a club, um, you know, where he's very very well loved. Um, and yeah. Uh, he's you know sort of coming to the twilight of his career. He's taking a pay cut, which is you know actually it seems very honourable, even though he's still earning a lot of money. He's all right. He's going for a, a very small fee, but he's getting his wage off the Barcelona um, wage bill. I think Rakitic might be the only person to emerge from this with any credit. <laughs> like, he might be the only person who can walk out with his head held high, and I think that might be very very deliberate. While they're like seeing sort of the chaos just spinning around everywhere else, <laughs> like Luis Suarez probably chewing down the stadium, like, <laughs> kind of. Mad stuff's happening everywhere. Like, and I think Rakitic has is, is, is done well to get out of there. 
It's, I mean, it's, they've got so much money to shave off that bill. Oh, and, my and goodness. I think that's the thing, though. Like, outside Barcelona or outside... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. if Even outside Barcelona, the club, there's, there's maybe not a complete understanding, or there wasn't until they were half trying to bring Neymar back last mm. summer, how much people across Europe rate Rakitic. Because when they were talking about the parameters of a possible Neymar deal, um, they said, well, we value... Rakitic at, at 45 million and Leonardo didn't bat an eyelid he was mm. like yeah yeah, alright we're in you know I mean basically that deal didn't happen because Usman Dembele wouldn't wouldn't go to Paris Saint-Germain yeah. um, but I think it's quite interesting that one of the other you know elite or elite-ish clubs says you know well he's 31 at the time or yeah 31 at the time and and they were like yeah yeah alright if, if that's 45 million of, of the fee then we can live with that mm. You know, he he is a player who's enormously respected. Yeah, I I I like him a lot. Handsome man as well. Handsome, cultured-looking man. Yes. I'm always sway Jim, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done a whole segment on that with Bayern. Um, someone who's not with us today, but has been watching this one closely, uh, is Jules Breach because. Glenn Murray has signed on a season-long loan for Watford. It's yeah. the first signing of Vladimir Ivic's reign. Looks as though this might possibly pave the way for Troy Deeney to leave, although he did say that he wasn't going to kind of, you know, tout himself about or whatever yeah. the phrase would be that he used. I can't imagine him saying that. But Is, is he only on Sky Sports every half hour now, than every 10 minutes? <laughs> I'm not. I'm here to not tout myself about guys. Yeah. Can I just make that clear at the top of this interview? Um, yeah, so... You know, Jules Breach aside, what do we make of that one? Um, I think it's a it's a it's a canny signing for Watford on the surface, but I think Murray only got two goals last season, didn't he? I know that he was he was uh, he didn't play as much as he would normally expect to, but is he too aged? Twenty three appearances though, yeah. in the Premier League. I mean, a lot of those would have been from the bench, I would imagine. Sure. But like the Championship is a it's a long old season. It's a tough tough league as well. Is could it be the case that this is a that you know, it's a bit too far? I mean. Deeney for Murray wouldn't fill me with with confidence, or Murray for Deeney rather, as a mm. Watford fan. But at the same time, I know Troy Deeney will probably be Watford's highest earner, or there or thereabouts. So they might have to have to move him on. Um, I, I think it's a I think it's a funny one. I think it's a bit of a weird one for Watford. I, I, I think you would probably want something a bit more ambitious than that. And I know that Jules will probably be screaming at me um, for um, speaking ill of, of their beloved Glenn Murray. But I, I yeah, I just I, I wouldn't be filled with joy as a Watford fan at that. I, I think I'd, I'd feel quite good about it. I, I think at, at that level, it, it looks like goals. You know, I, I think you're right, definitely about load management and all that 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 sort of stuff. But um, I, I feel quite confident that that Glenn Murray could get you a good few goals as well. I think as well, you have to look at the players that they look like they're going to be holding on to. Um, uh, Luis Garcia, um, uh, sorry, Luis Suarez, not that Luis Suarez. Um, getting with Luis Garcia and with Luis Suarez is mixed. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's um, looks like he's going to be at the club in the coming season. Purvis Estupinian, who was really really good um, on loan at Osasuna, he's he's coming back to the club as as well so it looks like they've got some talent there mm. but a little bit of know-how as well I, th- I think that's a that's, yeah. that's that's pretty good also maybe I underrate Troy Deeney a little bit not just because all his goals are penalties <laughs> and yeah. all his goals are exactly the same there's penalty. a lot yeah. to be said for that but there is a lot to be said for that but a couple of times at NBA London he was sat in the seat in front of me and that makes me think oh, yeah that's not quite elite is it mate <laughs> the seat's not good enough 
Is the point you're making? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, honestly, they've got a proper celebrity row, like depending on whether it was Adidas or Nike sponsoring the kit. You do at yourself the time. down here, Brass. Come on, mate. They, mm. they said I top Brass is in the house. You get to sit near him. Troy. I, I wasn't. No, no. I was. I was near Troy and Lethal Bizzle. I wasn't. I wasn't next to um, Draxler or Giroud. <laughs> Did you? And, and Giroud. Point... Giroud. I know he's played for some big clubs and he's a World Cup winner and all the rest of it. But when they interviewed him on the touchline, he said, "Yes, I am hoping to see lots of goals from the Washington Wizards in the second half." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Basket mate, goals. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you at any point lean over to uh, Troy Deeney and Lethal Bizzle and go, "Oh God, we're, we're in the B list." Here, aren't we? <laughs> Did you say that to his face at any point, Andy? <laughs> I really hope so. Um, also coming coming up from the championship, I'm pretty excited about this one. A very Eze aside for Crystal Palace, reported seventeen million pounds. I'm yeah, I'm really excited about this one. He's yeah. obviously come from QPR. He's supposed to be an outrageous talent. I saw him play a little tiny bit, but I'm sure you guys potentially have more to say about him and have probably seen the compilation of some of his pretty great goals that have been floating around on Twitter. And mm. if you haven't, guys, uh, definitely check that out. QPR's director of football, Les Ferdinand, when I spoke to him about the player, said <laughs> um, <laughs> that he should be considered, if he can get into a Premier League club, he should be considered for the England setup. Wow. So he's obviously highly mm. valued there. Yeah, I mean, he looks, uh, to be a very, very skillful and direct player, and I think that will really suit the way Palace play and what they want to do with their, you know, they're, they're quite, uh, uh, they love a bit of direct pace, don't they? Uh, down at Palace, um, and I think he's a, he's a he fits the exact profile, of the sort of player that they need and can realistically get. So I'm quite excited about this for him and them. One of the things that I, I've I've seen of him that I, I find really impressive is he's quite a good ball winner. Uh, right, like okay. rarely, which is, you know, to the degree, to, like for a forward player like that, it's something you don't necessarily expect to be in a locker. You expect them to have someone else doing that behind them. But he um, he seems very adept at that. So I, um, I'm i excited. I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he can bring to Palace. I, I'm, I've not seen any of him, so I'm very look, looking forward to discovering him. What I'm hoping is, A, there'll be a sort of revival of, remember when Palace last came up and it was prime Balassi and Zaha together. Yeah. I mean that was that was fun. That was great. So so something like that again would be lovely. Also, I wonder if for Wilfred Zaha, because he's in this weird sort of twilight zone in that he's not going to leave Palace, even though he's ambitious to get to the next level. Because A He's not gonna. No. No, because who's who's gonna pay the money that they want from him? The, 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 the massive problem is for Zaha is he's worth more to Palace than he is to anyone else, which is a, a bit of a difficulty, isn't it? And yes. you know, you know, the, the sort of clubs that he wants to go to are not going to pay the sort of money that, that that Palace want. I do wonder though if Ezra coming in does mean that Zaha's basically just going to get fouled less, <laughs> which which would be a huge step really, forward for them. Yeah. It, it would be it, drawing some of that fire would be a massive difference maker for them, no? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Admittedly, they've still got no centre forward worthy of the name, and Patrick Van Aanholt's still the best finisher at the club. But that's something you can work on, right? Yeah, Patrick Van Aanholt's, Van Aanholt's the best finisher in the Premier League, though, isn't he? So I mean, that's quite <laughs> fair, inexplicable. Last one I want to do before we go to the break is uh, the world's most expensive footballer has been signed by Chelsea. What am I talking about? Just Peniel Harder has come from Wolfsburg. Now, I was feeling a bit down about this because the the value of the deal is. Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. 
pounds, great British pounds, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously a very small amount of money in the context of all these other transfers that we've been talking about in the men's game. However, if you consider that in the context, one of my colleagues, Anton Tulliri, did a few bits of maths, well done, mate, and said that it was £486,000 in 2019 was the total value of transfers in the women's game. Wow. That's a massive step up and she is a brilliant player. It's... um... It, it, the context of that is that's a Neymar style transfer, isn't it? Re- yeah. Realistically, of how how big that is, and it's it's a bit sad. Are Chelsea doing it again? <laughs> just, just disrupting the market. The, so the question is, can compete. Are Chelsea doing it again, or are Manchester City doing it again? Having got Rose Lavelle, being likely to get Lucy Bronze back, yeah. it's interesting because the post uh, Women's Champions League final talk in in France has been Leon saying, despite the fact they've won the Champions League five years in a row um, and, and seven of the last 10, they've, they've been saying, well, we've got to up our game. We've mm. got to up our game because the Brits are coming and, yeah. and, and they're, they're putting proper money into it. Now, I think like you were saying yesterday, Kate, Jean-Michel Olas will, will have something up his sleeve. Mm. There, there is absolutely no doubt about that. And uh, like you were saying as well, the absences that they had in that final, no Paris, no Egerberg, like what other club copes with that? The step up is is significant for them to close that gap. But at least there's a willingness from Manchester City and Chelsea. And Chelsea, of course, yeah, definitely. if you go back to the semi-final of the year before last, in the second leg of that, I went to that at the Kings Meadow and did an out-of-match on it. And um, they, they ran Leon really close. They ran Leon really, really close. And um, the, the fact that Chelsea went from that to not being in the Champions League last season, they're absolutely chomping at the bit to get back in it and you know they're putting their money where their mouths are yeah because of course they've you know they've also signed fairly recently although Sam Kerr Sam Kerr although obviously the season distended so it feels like a while ago now and they've got a great manager Emma Hayes who's been doing this for a long time but still obviously is um is ambitious to improve and they've obviously just won you know the biggest trophy in the world the community shield (laughs) Jim so that's lovely to see and beating Manchester City who you mentioned so yes uh, plenty of big transfers to tell you about in the women's game and also I hope we've whetted your appetite there we'll be back with more after this Yes, welcome back. It is time now for this. We concentrate on the topics. We're pretty good to many topics today. This is one of my favourite topics so far because it is taking us in all sorts of different and increasingly bizarre directions, Mm. which I think is the purpose of a really great topics section. The, The question is, of course, with Tom Hardy narrating the Spurs All or Nothing documentary, which famous person would you like to hear voice a documentary about your club? We've had an email from uh, Andrew James, Andy Jim to his mates. Uh, as a Villa fan, the obvious choice is Tom Hanks, but I'd rather go for Birmingham fan Troy Deeney. The glory years of the early 20th century would be conversed <laughs> by a gritted teeth, while the last relegation would be joyous for him beyond compare. It would be a hell of a listen, actually. Um, and Troy Deeney does hate Villa so much that I think he's willing to join West Brom, isn't he? Just so he can have a crack at him with a rival in the Premier League. But I'd, I'd, he'd be brilliant. No nonsense the whole way through. So, so, so good at hiding his feelings as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We've got a good one here from George Heeks via email. Hello, Ramble. If I was to get anyone uh, to voice over a documentary for my club, Sheffield United, it would have to be fellow Blade supporter Sean Bean. It would, however, have to be with the premise that he would call everyone a bastard in honour of his legendary character, Sharp. I like it. I'm just trying to imagine his enraged narration after referee Paul Tierney after the Hawkeye cock-up against Villa, Villa earlier this season. Despite the ball crossing the line, the referee does not give the goal. Oh, bastard. <laughs> All I'd the like best, George. Yeah, I mean, he's famous for having called Neil Warnock something quite a bit worse than a bastard in front of his kids, wasn't he, after the uh, Sheffield United relegation. So oh, he's got dear. a bit of form there. Wow. I we think don't it'd, support it'd be quite that. dramatic. You don't, don't support don't. it. I don't support I don't swearing in front of I kids. Yeah. Wow. They're going to learn it sooner or later, aren't they? <laughs> Parental advisory, people. Blimey. I'd like it if he was dressed up in his outfit, in his sharp outfit. I know clearly it's a voiceover, so it doesn't really matter, but it'd be quite enjoyable to imagine know, him it? sitting in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a musket, would it be? Oh, what, like the, the, the VAR officials, how they turn yeah. up in their full kit? <laughs> oh, that, that is very much the rage nowadays. Yeah. People always criticise John Terry, but actually, people have responded to him, <laughs> haven't they? People what, you think that's a ta- tribute? Taking it as a call to arms. <laughs> They're like, he looks great. Let's do the same. Yeah. At some point as well, if Sean Bean is doing this voiceover, as is, you know, typical with a Sean Bean role, he he has to die at some point. Right. Because he just dies in everything he's in. He always dies. So maybe the last 10 minutes of the documentary, like, you just hear him go... And like, I would no die for this club. I would that. die for this club. <laughs> and then Bastard. the season finished. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just do wonder, though, is, is Sean being a bit of an obvious choice? The thing is, I feel he's a bit tainted by association. By Do you remember when Saturday comes? Yeah. yeah and like any... Any film with football in, it's really hard to get right. They, they Tell mostly, me about they it. Mostly look you know awful. about them a lot. Mm, from say, Pete's Film Club. Pete's Film Club. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, you sounded like you've made one, Jim, and it didn't go <laughs> to plan. Were you behind the Arsenal Stadium mystery? You look younger. <laughs> yeah, I had nothing to do with it. It's a good one, though, that one. Yeah? Yeah. Anyway. Are there any good, sorry, this is a big tangent, but could either of you name any good football, apart from Bend It Like Beckham? But apart from Green Street. Okay. <laughs> No. Sure. <laughs> I'm joking, people. I'm joking. I feel like someone's not Don't taking this seriously. It. Fine, let's go to the next topic. <laughs> uh, yes, David has sent an email in. Thanks, David. Hi, Kate and team. Ooh, fun. Hi. Um, first, on Monday's show... I've had to warm up for this, guys, by the way. On Monday's show, while discussing rap commentary for games, Vish referred to Twister as the fastest words-to-minute rapper in the world. And it was then that I saw my chance for pedantry. Good. In 1992, <laughs> Twister was recognised as Guinness fastest rapper alive for dropping, dropping, 11.2 syllables per second. He rapped 598 syllables in 55 seconds to earn the honour. Notably, that is less than a minute. Yep. Mm. Um, additionally, while this is commendable, Eminem holds the Guinness title for most words in a hit single after including 1,560 words in his 2013 hit Rap God. That is a 6.04 minute, I'm not sure that's how you say it, but anyway, a a technical masterclass. While Twister might be well suited for the quick bursts of counter-attacking football, Eminem's stamina would surely be better suited to a sustained performance that you need throughout the full game. This is an excellent point. Yes. 
Second for this week's topics, the clear option for Arsenal fans is John Burko. Nothing more satisfying than hearing him yell, order, and deriding the club in his uniquely condescending and posh way every time he is forced to narrate one of the club's recent missteps. There could even be an entire bonus scene that's simply a mashup compilation of Burko's best moments in Parliament and Sir Crosses's continual stupidity. All right. <laughs> Uh, David out of this. Carolina. Yeah. Um, firstly, I would say, David, uh, you make a good point about obviously Eminem um, setting that record um, for Rap God and uh, the technical masterclass element of it. So obviously Eminem is brilliant, but we were specifically talking about freestyle rap because if you are commentating uh, on a live mm. game, you can't plan it, can you? You've got to be you've got to be ready to um, to react to it. And I believe that that is what Vish was referring to uh, when he was touting Twister's skills. And um, secondly, as well, can one thing that's been lost a little bit is that a poor old Napoli look like they are they've missed out on Gabrielle and will so now be going replacing Caladu Koulibaly with Socrates which yes I've, <laughs> I've met Napoli fans they are a passionate bunch I can't imagine they're going to be too happy with that <laughs> Oh, no. Can you give him his proper title? Former Milan legend, Socrates. Yes, yes, of Thank course. you. Well, I don't need to because you've done it for me. I, lo- <laughs> I love the John Burko idea, though. That'd yeah, that's good. The, the problem with John Burko is now I've, I've I've seen so much of him on BBC Parliament. Mm. It, it, you're just thinking about what tie he's wearing like, oh. like, while you're listening. The thing and, about and John I think Bur- that kind of undercuts it a little bit. The thing about John Burko, he constantly is uncutting himself, but undercutting himself, but he looks... Like an old Kevin Keegan, they look almost identical. Oh yeah, there's something to weirdly. That. I, that is interesting, yeah. And you wouldn't have seen that coming for Keegan, I don't think. No, you don't want Keegan trying to, you know, declare order. It's just <laughs> not going to work, is it? Just not going to work. <laughs> I think you'd find that pretty. I think you would take issue with that, Jim. Mm. So we better skip on. <laughs> if you're listening, we concentrate on the topics. Lovely load of topics there. And thanks for emailing in, in particular, guys. Uh, if you want to email in, you can get hold of us at show at footballrambledaily.com or, of course, you can tweet us using the hashtag RambleTopics, as you have been doing so beautifully. Now, we wanted to talk about uh, Marcus Rashford today because, as we all know, he made this brilliant step earlier on in the pandemic about uh, getting the government to extend their food voucher scheme. And he has subsequently decided to team up with some of the UK's biggest brands, a whole load of, of supermarkets, basically, all the main mm. uh, supermarket. And some we, charities as well. And some charities as well. And and he said that his aim is to uh, work to expand free school meals, among other things. Basically, his target is to end child food poverty. And I guess this is in the context that we've spoken about a fair bit on the Ramble recently of how footballers are starting to see the real sincere influence that they can have yeah. as massive icons, not just of the game, but of society at large. Yeah, it's it's a good thing, isn't it? It's, I guess we're in the generation of the, the super rich footballers now. That's kind of embedded in for a long time. And they are like, you know, most top level footballers won't ever have to probably do anything ever again if they don't want to mm. um, after football. But a lot of them are in a position where they're, they're, they're trying to sort of do something positive with the world. And uh, obviously, as a current player, it's, it's all the more impressive from Rashford. And one of the really interesting things I read um, 
in the various kind of pieces about this was that one of the people who was on this this Zoom call that Rashford had with the, with the supermarket bosses and, and charity bosses um, was, was somebody um, said he's formidable. This is obviously the right thing to do, but I think for some people it doesn't hurt that you don't want to get on the wrong side of Marcus Rashford. Ha! And that, that's a really interesting thing yeah. that he, clearly he's... he's being very, very active behind the scenes. Apparently, he's making a lot of phone calls. He's, he's not just a figurehead. He is yeah. an actual driving force behind this. And uh, a point was made as well that what his status brings is that because he makes these things so high, high profile, if they don't work out or if the government say they're going to do something, they don't do it, they're a lot more accountable because mm-hmm. they're accountable to this really, really famous figure. And that is a, such an intelligent and positive use uh, of his status. And I, I think that's great. And I, I hope that, um, you know, he'll become a, a figurehead for, for footballers themselves to go, you know what, I can make a difference with this specific thing. You know, like, yeah, and, and it, you know, it's it, it, it's fantastic that he's 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 focused in on a particular issue which is quite niche in the grand scheme of, of how many problems society has and i'd love it if like if more players started doing that if flamini's trying to you know fix the oil problem um <laughs> rashford's working on you know food poverty and it's, it's it's great yeah it is and um it's it's one of the i guess unexpected effects of of lockdown really isn't it the, the fact that maybe um some footballers clearly him for example has, has thought right okay about their place in the world and about their place in society and about what they want to do in society beyond just football. And it can be really hard, can't Mm. it? Because like everyone's job, you're locked into it. It takes up the majority of of, of your time. Of course, there's a lot of pressure contingent on on, on this particular particular line of work as well. And, And so because you're almost encouraged to focus all the time and not think about other stuff. I, th- I think it's, it's understandable that some players are a little bit disconnected from society mm. or a little bit disconnecting with, with directly engaging as well. I mean, we have to say that a lot of footballers um, do a lot of stuff through the clubs and they put a lot, mm, in a lot of time in, in, in the community. Yeah. But to see a footballer do something individually that's not part of a sponsorship deal that's not part of what his club is doing as something individual. It's, it's not as unusual outside the UK, but I think it's interesting because we, we've seen generally that, you know, most individual footballers in, in the UK have not wanted to be um, overtly politically or socially engaged. Mm. Now, I think here what we've seen is there's a separation between the political and the social, and certainly Marcus Rashford feels like that. It doesn't feel like a political point. It feels like a social connection that he's he's making, which is is very very important. But you know, we've seen this in Germany with um, you look at uh, Joshua Kimmich and uh, Leon Goretzka. They raised um, five million for, for for charity while they were off, and you know, it's, it's something that I, th- I think that. That little break has definitely given a lot of younger footballers and a lot of younger socially engaged footballers. I mean, you think you look at the age of those two and Rashford, all under twenty-five. Mm. Them thinking, actually, the way we interact with the world is different to the generation above us. Yes. So, you know, we can be direct. We can connect directly. And Raheem Sterling, in a, in a very different field, has been a very good example of that. You know, that he doesn't need anything behind him he doesn't need 
um, sponsorship support. He doesn't need um, club support to come out and and say what he feels. And and this is what Marcus Rashford's doing as well. And I think this is a hugely, hugely positive thing. You know, there's been so much discussion, especially over the the, the lockdown period of, um, you know, how social media works and the sort of role it has in our life our psyche and our mental health and this is bringing it back to it being used in a very direct positive way which is which is fantastic what's brilliant about marcus rashford i mean he also we should point out has has been doing things like this or has been building up to this for some time you know he was working on uh, homelessness in manchester united in manchester united homelessness in manchester as well um in the last year uh and often would say you know can yeah I'll do an interview but can we talk about this please which is you know standard way of of footballers doing that but he's clearly got a lot of really good advisors um he's clearly deployed people who can help him put his message out there in the best possible way because I'm sure you'll have read the the letter that was how he did it originally when he was asking for the food voucher scheme to be extended and then he's put out another letter um on this topic and he says um he has met a number of the people who he's asked a number of people about this subject and some of the stories that he he deploys in his letter are just uh, absolutely devastating and he he says you know he's met some of these families to better understand how food poverty is contributing to social unrest watching a young boy keeping it together while his mother sobbed alongside him feeling like he has to step up to protect his family and alleviate some of that worry Mm. he was nine years old I know that feeling. Mm, so yeah. it's exactly as you say, Andy, he's, he's putting the context of his own life in to make this really, really powerful and then deploying the power that he now has to make people listen. And the schools minister, 10 points if you can tell me who he is. No, me neither. Nick Gibb has said he would <laughs> <laughs> be delighted to meet Marcus and uh, talk through these issues. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens next. But it's a really... It's a really exciting story in many, many ways, I think. Um, Before we go, let's talk about La Liga and the fixtures that have been announced. You know, a huge, uh, a huge moment in the the football calendar. And you're looking, you've got your pull out from marker and you're you're ready to make sure that you know exactly who's playing whom. You you get to week 25, you notice um, that Sevilla are hosting Barcelona that week. And then you, you... you re- you look down the column and you see sexo. <laughs> <laughs> well, why uh, is that? <laughs> we, we have to put this in context. In the uh, marca, often on its cover has a lot of adverts for tablets for erectile dysfunction. <laughs> is that a regular thing on the front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you know. Um, uh, Bale uh, set to leave Madrid. Sexo is Mila. Yeah. So that's sex is life. Yes. Or life is sex, is it? Sex is life. Yeah. So sex it, is life. Yes. Sex is life. Yes, exactly. Sex is life. What? <laughs> so it's. So I have sympathy for the people marketing this, though, because a lot of people have been laughing at the placement of this, this erectile dysfunction. Right effort, in right the middle of the, right pull in out the middle. fixture <laughs> calendar. If, you, if you're selling your penis pet pills, you've got to sell them somewhere, haven't you? So, like, where, where else? Everywhere, where, apparently. Well, exactly. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, there I, we are. I, I suppose. I suppose it's the longest-lasting advert ever, isn't it? Because Hang on, as, you, as you say, <laughs> advert. Because the thing is, you're going to get to as you say. Have you got an endorsement deal with these sex of his life guys? 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be like the Pele thing, you know. <laughs> I don't need anything like that, but if I did, I would use this product. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's amazing because, as you say, you get to like week 31 yeah. and you think, oh, Mallorca versus Abar. Oh, I feel up for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts to sort of like psychosomatically feel like you're getting it up for the game, effectively. <laughs> Possibly. And as Kate says, in week 31 or 34 or whatever, oh, you'll, defi- you'll definitely need one in week 36, won't you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know erections were so central to your enjoyment of football, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. It's the only way. To, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, got any sensible chat about the actual fixtures, Andy, or will we just uh, leave it there? Not really. I mean, yeah. that's not why you brought this in, is it? Like, uh, oh yeah, we're gonna have a sensible roundup of the Spanish fixtures. <laughs> And finally... Guys, I just want you to feel as though you can bring anything, any issues you might have, I just want you to feel as though you can <laughs> you can bring them to the table because clearly this is an important issue for many men. Uh, and I, I just wanted to feel that you had the ear of the nation. That, that, that's very kind of you. I, I think what's important to add as well is the correct way to announce fixtures is the way that Passos de Ferreira have done it with their little video of their... their You're obsessed with it. I, I am obsessed with it. Um, Os Castores, uh, the beavers they yeah. are. So don't... <laughs> It's so weird. The video you're about to describe is so. We'll put it on social. Media. It's so weird. Take so, us so, through it, Andy. So, so, so basically, their, their big cuddly man in a beaver costume does something um, in line with um, the regional traditions of each of those clubs. So yeah. um, when they're about to play Gil Vicente, for example, who are from Barcelos, if if you've ever gone into Nando's and you see, and the, I have, <laughs> and you see the legend about the cock of Barcelos, right. It, it's, it's, it's on the wall there in, in, in many Nando's. So is he's, he, he's is sat he there. Taking, is he taking sexo as Vida or is he? Oh, no, no. I, I, he's a very confident gentleman, this, <laughs> this beaver. Anyway, any, anyway he's, um, it, when they're playing Gilles Vicente, he's um, barbecuing a chicken like Nando's style. When they're playing Belenenses, which is obviously where the Pastation Nata come from, they come from Belen, he, um, he's tapping away on his computer and he, he pulls out a few of those. When they're playing uh, Portimonense, Portimao, he's um, in the Algarve, as, as you might know. So it's on like the a long-running so series. Kick, kick, kick about on the beach. It? It's a long video, but the, the best one is where He's um, that they're playing Braga, and to announce that, um, he's just stood on the pitch in the stadium. And uh, Braga are, are the Warriors, so uh, he looks up above, and there's like a fighter plane flying over. And he just like lazily reaches across, gets a double barreled shotgun, and shoots it out of the sky. <laughs> I mean, th- that's not mascot behavior, is it? No, it's not. I think the weirdest bit in the video, though, is where he's milking a cow, like an actual cow, <laughs> like a man in a giant beaver mascot suit milking a cow. Yeah, because I unsettling. thought you actually had to have. I don't know. I thought the the skin against the the teat was important to make the cow relax. So I don't know how those beaver hands are going to be comfortable on. The... I'm going to wear a mascot glove next yeah. time we're on the farm. Yes, that's what we're going to do, <laughs> guys. I think we've pretty much covered everything in the world. Yeah. So it's time to go. Lovely to be with you, Andy Brassel. What a pleasure. Nice to see you, Jim Campbell. You too. Uh, tomorrow it's Marcus, Pete, and you again. Yeah. It is. See you then, guys. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network.